Welcome to Love Letters from Jesus, the podcast that brings you the Sermon of the Week, with your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic. Hello, welcome. This is Love Letters from Jesus. We are glad that you are taking the time to listen to this podcast once again. It is May, not May. What am I thinking? It is March 26th, 2022. March 26th, 2022. And I'm sitting here in beautiful Fredericksburg, Texas. We are located here at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church in Fredericksburg, Texas. In the season of Lent, on our march towards Easter. People are making their preparations for getting ready for Easter. Hopefully having their minds and hearts still in the season of Lent. I hope all of you are doing well. We have a few listeners in a few new locations. There are some listeners now in the state of Tennessee who have listened for the first time. Welcome to them. Majority of our listeners are still here in the state of Texas, in Fredericksburg and in the Houston area. We have some new listeners down in San Antonio. Welcome to them. We are always grateful for new listeners and always want to welcome back those of you who continue to listen and very grateful for our listener in Shanghai, China, as he continues to listen and do the Lord's work in that place. We are glad to continue to be able to serve you uh, with this this ministry and in this manner. So I'd like to share with you a uh, teaching of Jesus. Jesus was going through um, some of the villages on his way back, way down to Jerusalem. And he was being asked just how many people were going to be saved. And it was a popular teaching in his day that because the Jewish people were Israelites, that God was just going to take all of them to heaven. So Jesus spoke to that with these words. From Luke chapter 13, beginning with verse 22. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. 
Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west, north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last, who will be first, and first who will be last. That kind of upsets things, doesn't it? What we want to understand here is the idea of the narrow door is that it's a door that lets one person in at a time. It's a door that lets one person in at a time. Not a great big gate that lets everybody in like you see at a stadium when you go to a football game and they open the gate and the whole crowd goes in. No, not like that. But a door that lets one person in at a time. And that door is a metaphor for Jesus himself. Jesus is the door that lets you into heaven. Remember how he said in the Gospel of John, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And in John chapter 10, which we know as the Good Shepherd chapter, he speaks this way again, again with another door metaphor, if you will. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. Now, the word gate can also be another word for door. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That's the point. You need to enter through Jesus to be saved. There is no other way to heaven. And that's what he's saying also in Luke when he talks about the narrow door. And the way into the sheep pen, that gate in the sheep pen, that's a narrow door. That's a great example of a narrow door. 
And here Jesus there is saying in John's gospel, I am the gate for the sheep. And he makes it very clear. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So again, if you take a look at a very familiar portion of scripture on top of what we already read, John chapter 3, verse 16 and following, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Then verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. And I'm cutting that verse off because the rest of it says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So back here in Luke, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, make sure you're believing in me. Make sure you enter the narrow door. And I, Jesus, am that narrow, that narrow door. Make sure you enter that narrow door by faith in me. Make sure you believe in me. Make every effort to enter through that narrow door. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, the one and only narrow door. There is no other narrow door other than Jesus. That's what he's telling us. Make sure you enter through the narrow door. Because then you're ready. Whenever God calls you home, then you're ready. You don't know how long you're going to live. You could be healthy and get hit by a car crossing the street and boom, you are heaven bound. And you need to be ready. Jesus went, goes on here. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. So there's urgency involved here. We cannot say, I have time. You don't have time. You need to do this right away. You need to do this right away. Today is the day to make your salvation sure. Today is the day to believe in Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I am the way. I am the door that you need to enter through. By faith in me, you are saved. So today is the day to believe to put all other doubts out of your mind. Today is the day to believe. 
you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Today is the day to believe in that one and only son. See? That's what God wants for you. And then when he tells you in John that I am the gate for the sheep, and there is no other gate. He is the gate. That's the same way as saying in Luke that he is the narrow door. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Jesus is that narrow door. And there's urgency with this. Don't wait around saying, I got time. That time will run out. Today's the day to believe. St. Paul writes in chapter 6 to the Ephesians, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil doesn't want you to believe. Your sinful flesh doesn't want you to believe. The sinful world doesn't want you to believe. We can call that the unholy trinity. The forces of evil. So you need to put on that armor of God. And it begins by believing in Jesus as your Savior. To believe that Jesus Christ is God. To believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior from sin, death, and the devil. That you are saved and going to heaven by faith in Christ alone. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. The more we're in the word of God, the stronger our faith will be, and the more we'll have understood that we have faith in Christ because God is constantly working in our heart. And the more we'll be reassured that, yes, we have entered through that narrow door, which is Jesus. And we'll be reassured that, yes, we will be in heaven. We won't be outside knocking and pleading, sir, let us in. We'll be on the other side. On the other side, you see, is the place to be. Because on the outside, that's where the unbelievers are going to be. The people who dawdled, who didn't think, making up their mind. 
after the word of God was given to them. And they decided, I don't want it. They didn't, inside, they didn't decide that the word of God was important enough for them. They put, it, they put it aside. Today is the day to believe. We don't need to hear Jesus saying to us, I don't know you or where you're from. We don't need to be the ones weeping and grinding our teeth. That's desperation. Those are people hellbound. So, dear friends, Jesus says, make sure you're saved by faith in him. Be in the word. You see, God does this for us. He works in our heart through the word, through holy baptism. He washes away our sins. Through Holy Communion, he reassures us our sins are taken away. And yes, you are a believer. You have entered through the narrow door, which is Jesus Christ. And we need that reassurance that, yes, you are a believer. Because narrow is the way into heaven and wide is the path to hell, isn't it? We need to pay attention to this so that we are not led astray. And strengthen our faith by paying attention to God's word and keeping our eyes focused on Christ our Savior all the time. Thank you for giving me the privilege of speaking with you today. The sermon is coming up next. Our sermon was preached on March 20th, 2022. It is based on Psalm 38, selected verses. The theme is we must repent so our sinful burden can be lifted, so divine forgiveness will come. If you have comments for me, anything you want to say to me, you can always leave me messages right here on the podcast. Please feel free to do that. I'd be glad to have your comments. Or you can always leave me messages in writing as well at loveletters.fromjesus.com. You have a great week. The Lord be with you. Talk to you next time.
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God for our consideration today is selected verses from our psalm, Psalm 38. Verses 1 through 4, verse 18, and verses 21 through 22. Our theme today, we must repent so our sinful burden can be lifted, so divine forgiveness will come. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have pierced me, and your hand has come down upon me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I confess my iniquity I am troubled by my sin. O Lord, do not forsake me. Be not far from me, O my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. These words were written down by King David. King David knew trouble. King David, as we know from reading about him in the Old Testament, caused some of his own trouble. Yet God led him to repentance. God loved David and led him to repentance. God loves me and you and leads us to repentance. That crowd that we just read about in the gospel lesson, who were all worked up about the current news, Pilate mixing the blood of some of their countrymen at the temple with their sacrifices. That was a horrible thing. And Jesus says to them, do you think they were worse sinners than anybody else? Because that happened to them? Then he says to them, but I tell you, unless you repent, you too will perish. The idea of perish is you will be lost to hell forever. Repentance is something we can't get around. We need to repent. We need to repent. You learned in catechism class about daily repentance. 
daily admitting to God, my sin is my sin, owning it, and then confessing it to an almighty God. Confessing your sin. And then the third part, trusting God for forgiveness of that sin. We come to church and look at what we did. We dare not skip the first 20 minutes of church. Because important things happen. We as a congregation in corporate worship, we, in a general way, stand up and we confess to Almighty God, seated on His throne in heaven, all our sins. And the pastor announces God's verdict. That you are forgiven all your sins because the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven you all your sins. And if you come week after week, you notice that announcement doesn't change. That's nothing for you to yawn at. That's the grace of God. Because God doesn't change. His love doesn't change. You see, we shouldn't say to ourselves, I know what the preacher's going to do today. I know what the preacher's going to say today, so I don't need to go this week. Oh, we need to go. Because we need to unburden ourselves. We need to own our sin and admit to Almighty God, My sin is my sin. Forgive me of my sin. And we need the reassurance from God. And the pastor is just there to announce what God is saying. Because the pastor needs that forgiveness too. That God forgives you all your sins. Look at these words of David. He was in a bad way here. Oh Lord. Now we know from our study in the past of the Old Testament, whenever you see the word Lord in all capital letters in English, the editor is telling us something special. This is God's Old Testament salvation name. He's calling on God using his Old Testament salvation name, Yahweh. The God who saves me. O Lord, the God of salvation, do not rebuke me in your anger. Because if you did, I would be destroyed. Or discipline me in your wrath. St. Paul said to the Ephesians that by nature we were all targets for God's wrath. That's what, that's before we were believers. If God poured out His wrath on us, there'd be nothing left to us. Consider Sodom and Gomorrah. God pouring out His angry wrath on those cities. And there was nothing left. He poured down fire and brimstone. 
There was nothing left of those people. So David rightly prays, Don't discipline me in your wrath. Don't destroy me like that. And he prays, For your arrows have pierced me. He is suffering consequences because of his sins with Bathsheba. Absalom grew up and embarrassed his father and gathered men to him and caused his father to have to flee from his own palace and declared himself king, bringing trouble, all kinds of trouble to the people and to the palace and to the nation. And David owned it and said, this is on me. These are the consequences of my sin. And as he fled and crossed the valley of Kidron to go up the other side, Shimei was there, throwing rocks at the king and cursing him. Go away, you man of blood. And the soldiers with David said, should we cut his head off? No, God has provided this man to remind me of my sin. For your arrows have pierced me. And Absalom took over the palace. And Absalom did perverse things in the palace. And then he gathered an army to go try to kill his father. And there was war. And your hand has come down upon me. When the hand of God comes down upon you because of things you have done, it's crushing. It's crushing. There's no escape from it. It's heavy upon you. You have to repent. God is leading you to it. There's no way of saying, hey, I got away with my sin, my evil behavior, whatever it might be, drunkenness or stealing or violent behavior or adultery or whatever it might be. God sees it all. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. He sees it all. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body, he says. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. This is a man crushed by the weight of his own sin. Maybe you've been there too. Maybe you have felt that way. God allows this to happen so that we turn to Him. So He can unburden you. So He can lift that off of you. The young man, Absalom, in that war was eventually... Escaping because it didn't go his way. And he was caught by his hair in an oak tree. 
And even though David gave instructions not to lay a hand on the young man Absalom to treat him gently, Joab didn't obey that. He took three javelins and shoved them through his heart. And later on, David mourned, Absalom, Absalom, my dear son, Absalom, breaking his heart again. But all this began with David's sin, and he knew it. He was suffering the consequences of his sin. Later on, when David was too weak, in bed, nearing death, Another one of his sons, Adonijah, declared himself king. He looked in the mirror and he said, I'm a really handsome guy. And he was. The Bible tells us he's a very handsome guy. And he gathered to himself 50 soldiers and he declared himself king. So the prophet Nathan came to Bathsheba and said, didn't David say Solomon could be king. So go to your husband, King David, and have him make Solomon king. You see, all of this turmoil in this family all began with David's sin. Consequences. Sins have consequences that can go on for years. But yet we need to remember that David was loved by the Lord. David was forgiven of his sins. David was still a child of God. Eventually, Solomon became king. Solomon allowed Adonijah to bow before him and go to his home. Eventually, David died in peace and went to his maker. In this psalm, David continues to tell us of all his suffering because of sin. This is a penitential psalm, and it's truly heartbreaking. But then you get to verse 18. And he tells us these words. The words we all need to speak to our God. I confess my iniquity. Iniquity is another word for sin that means unevenness. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. I confess my iniquity. I confess my sins to the Lord. That's where God was leading him to. When he felt overwhelmed and burdened. When his guilt had overwhelmed him and was a burden too heavy for him to bear. When we feel that way. Because of things we are thinking, or things we have said, or things we have done. We need to go to God. And own our sin, and confess our sins to Him. 
and know that God forgives all sin. We receive His forgiveness every day. We receive it in church when the pastor announces to us, God forgives us our sins. We receive it at the altar when God communes with us. It's not just us communing with each other, but it's God Himself communing with us and giving us of Himself. We receive His body and blood for the forgiveness of sins in, with, and under that bread and wine. You see, this is Holy Communion is not just a happy remembrance. But we receive Christ in the sacrament for the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness is real. The forgiveness is there. It is a meal of forgiveness to each of us who partake that we walk away reassured that we are forgiven of all of our sins. So we must repent so that the burden can be lifted, that we may go away rejoicing that God has taken away our sins. The God who sent his one and only son to live a sinless, perfect life, to fulfill the law of God perfectly for us because we could not do that. And God requires that of you. But you and I can't do that. So Jesus came and did that for us. And he gives us the credit for that. And then Jesus Christ took up all our sin and guilt and shame and went to the cross where he suffered and died. And the blood of Jesus Christ blots out every guilty stain in our lives. And we are indeed forgiven. But the devil comes to you at night and says... But what about this sin? A wise pastor friend of mine said, there are sins you have done when you are 19 years old that will wake you up at night when you are 45. And maybe so. That's because we have a weak sinful flesh. And we... There is a devil who likes to sneak around and whisper in our ear. But that's a sin that has been confessed. That is a sin that has been forgiven. And you have to say to that devil, yes, I did that. But Christ has lifted that sin. Christ has forgiven that sin. And it is in the past. It is forgiven. So we tell that devil to go back to hell. Because we are forgiven. And we live in the grace of God supplied by our Savior, Jesus Christ. That all our sins are forgiven by God's grace, by His amazing love through Him. Oh dear friends, what a great gift we have. When we are burdened with sin, don't think that you can just live day to day and not confess it. Sometimes people just avoid going to church because they feel guilty. Don't do that. Go to God. Confess your sins. And receive the forgiveness of sins from your God. That is exactly what you need at that time. 
Let him lift your burden. Let him give you his grace and divine forgiveness and refreshment from the Lord will flow to you and lift you up again. To God be the glory. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to Love Letters from Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic, and I look forward to you listening again, once again. If you liked our podcast, please give us a five-star review. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts. Look forward to having you listen to us again. Have a great week.